So today we continue from final research trees, and you have the, the first group, Monday group had already uh, ADL3 exercise. Um, and that, I left there because so many of you said that you know ADL3s. Uh, I just copied in the summary of the questionnaire that I did in the beginning of the course. 34 of you returned the, the paper. 18 did not uh, write the correct uh, binary search tree, and 12 did not write any binary search tree. So after the summer, the knowledge of the binary search tree was half of you did not know about the binary search tree. Uh, <coughs> and. Uh, the, the other summary is 14 did not know any sorting algorithm worst nor average case performance or any sorting algorithm. Um, the trick that uh, I get questions is that I should repeat the same question to you three, four years from now. Do you remember after this course, plus five years, do you remember these things? Uh, because that would be the fair comparison. You have you have learned, and uh, what is the reason that you forget? So my task is to somehow make me myself believe at least that you never forget about those things ever again. Um, so binary search trees are the way to organize data so that uh, to make the data storage dynamic so that we can add new elements and uh, we prefer tree structures which corresponds better to divide and conquer paradigm and binary search, search tree properties that looking at the root, the key in the root, 36 in this, this case you know immediately that all the smaller values are to the left or the larger values to the right. Therefore you can always branch to the correct direction. That is the main essence of the binary search tree, and for all these cases in here, this property is satisfied. The last one is 1, 3, 7, 12, etc. This is the linear order, so yes, it's binary search tree, all the largest values are always to the right. But as you can see, of course, this is out of balance. Therefore, uh, we have to do something. Uh, about the balancing, and this ADL3 case was uh, the one that you learned first, and that was proposed first. Uh, in the binary search trees, usually we can, uh, if we talk about abstract data type, then we talk about dynamic sets. A dynamic set of uh, keywords, dynamic set of keys, where we want to search for certain key, is it there or not? insert a new key, delete specific key, and in addition, we would like to uh, have the, some of the other, potentially some of the other features like looking for the minimum, maximum, successor, the next element, 
or the previous element, pre predecessor, the previous element. And you could even uh, think of, of the uh, other operations like fetch me the order statistics, fetch me the k element, or what, whatever the k is. 1575th value from the data. Uh, so, so these these operations, uh, um, it was implement, and binary search three is one uh, simple way to do that. Search, you start from the tree root or subtree root. If you have found, if if the if the uh, pointer is nil, pointer you have exhausted, exhausted there is no uh, no data, or you have found that particular key that returned that. Otherwise, you compare the search key to the key in the node, and you either go left or right and fetch the value from there. Of course, as said previously, all the same recursion. The last call is the recursive call. You can replace by simple iterative search, a simple loop. That does exactly the same. Goes to the left or right until hits the key or null pointer. What is the algorithm for smallest value? The smallest value is there in the tree. Leftmost uh, leaf. Leftmost leaf does not need to be a leaf. As long as there is left pointer, you go left, and when there is uh, null pointer to the left, then you have found the smallest value. Because that node could still have the right uh, child. Likewise, the maximum is you start going right until you hit the null pointer, and then you have hit the uh, largest line. Um, other examples. Um, let me see. On these examples, left, 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 one. Left, 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 one. Left, 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 one. No left pointer, one is the smallest. And likewise, the, the, the largest time you go to the right. Uh, in this case, indeed, all of those are leaves, but uh, you just go to the right. Uh, the next by value. If you're at the root or subtree root, what is the next value by value? Larger one, okay. It's the next by value is, is the smallest value that is on the in the right subtree. The smallest value in the right subtree. If you are a particular root. If right if there is right subtree, then return the smallest from the right. But this one doesn't have the right subtree. What is its uh, successor? This happens to be the largest of this subtree. 
So the next one is this value. How do we know that we find this value? We start going up. We are still larger than this one. Up. Well, this is uh, well. This one is larger than this one, yeah, because this is smaller. So the first moment there is then when the parent is such that you would go to the left to hit that node, gives us the next. So you go to the parent um, as long as uh, parent link exists and. Uh, X is right from the parent. So this time you go to the parent, it exists, but this one is not to the right. And, and, and then we have found the successor. So this already implies that you have the uplinks, you know the parent. Starting from some node, you know the parent. <coughs> or, yeah, I guess so. I would I don't know if you can. Well, you have the pointer to here, and then you ask for the next one. So I don't know if you would if you would modify the search by key and then ask the next. Do you then can you then memorize what was the next value? Um, maybe you can. If you do search and next together, maybe then you can uh, find it. Uh, so this is the uh, successor. When you want to insert some new node, you just walk down where it should be and insert in that location. So if you wanted to add 51, you just walk down the place, and if uh, once you hit the null pointer, then you just insert it. You add 74, larger, smaller, missing, we insert it in there. Removal. We have three types of nodes, leaves, the ones that have one child or the ones that have two children. Leaf is easy, you just delete it. Um, if there is one single child and you want to uh, delete this one, then you just promote the entire subtree to this one. And everything is uh, still satisfied. This tree is uh, consistent, you delete this one, so you and the last case was when, when you have two children, uh, in order to delete this one, what should be the value in here that would still keep everything intact? This one is in between the left and right subtree, the value that is in between the values on the left and the right. So you could say that in here you could insert the smallest value from the right, for example. So let's find the next smallest promote that to the top in here, and then both subtrees uh, sub should be uh, valid after this. Um, so the, the smallest uh, subtree from, uh, from this subtree is this one, because that didn't have the left anymore. Um, so now we, uh, we would promote that there and would delete this, but this has only one child, therefore we apply the second case, and you promote 51 in there. You just delete it in here and, and link 42, 51. Uh, okay. Um, deleting, 
um, if we start deleting from the top, we need to promote the smallest value to the top. This had only one child. We delete this one. This tree is intact. Delete again. Now, want to promote that one. It's okay. So we can insert and delete in the binary search tree. But we haven't uh, talked anything about the uh, uh, about the complexity or how to keep things balanced. So the problem is that after these dynamic operations, it may get out of balance. You may get the keys in the wrong order, that gives you one branch very long, some other very short. And uh, for this balancing, there are uh, ABL trees, red black trees, and then multi-way trees, uh, the ones that keep the trees as balanced as possible. How does the balancing work in the case of binary search trees is usually by rotations. So in here, you have the case that A's are smaller than X, B's are between X and Y, and uh, C's are larger than X, uh, larger than Y. So if, if we rot rotate, we keep the same in order. The ordering is still the same. A, X, B, Y, C, A, X, B, Y, C, in the same alphabetical or alphanumeric order, right? But now we have, uh, on the left, we have decreased the height or the depth of this A, and we have increased the depth of C. The, the depth of all the paths to B have, left in, have been left intact. So we can rebalance the three heights. But now the question is, how do we, how do we know when and where? To rebalance. Um, okay, this is the simple rotation, and then there are different cases. Well, this one has uh, examples with the four subtrees, and all of those cases will end up in this full, more balanced view. So left, left, right, right, left, right, right, left, symmetrically. So this case is first swapped once, and then we have left-left case, which is the same as in here, so we apply the same operation from this to this situation. So underneath, you see everything is balanced. So four starting cases, four equal depth subtrees. Uh, is this notation in here clear? This is a subtree with some head, uh, with some root, and it doesn't matter how large this is, right? So, Aldous and Lesky and Landis proposed in 1962 the way to rebalance the trees in the way that you just need to, need to remember every node should know its left and right child. Are they equal depth? Or is one deeper than the other, or vice versa? So, three cases. Zero, plus one, minus one. And uh, once you know that, in, in the leaves you may observe this change, your tree height diff, uh, changes, and then you go to the parent, and you know that you have decreased, so now you, you may get even more out of balance, or you can rebalance. Right? So you just uh, calculate, you know the difference uh, starting from bottom up, 
during the uh, closer to the leaves, and then you promote this difference up the tree when so much as uh, just to keep satisfied this 0, 1, or minus 1, so that minus 2 does not happen or plus 2 does not happen. And in this way, this is the maximally distorted view, and this is the maximally balanced view of the ADL tree. So maximally distorted, the left subtree is one level deeper than the right subtree, and recursively every pair has the same property. Every, every subtree, left and right subtree, have the same property. So this is as skewed as it can get, and this is as balanced as it can get for 88 nodes. And the height difference is only by two. On the, on the worst case, you do two operations more than on the best case. Uh, and then you can calculate these uh, three heights and you can prove that this complicated looking formula, 1.44 times log 2 of n plus 2 minus some constant, uh, is the upper bound of the, of the tree height. So it's strictly less than this one. And summer is uh, 5, which is golden ratio. So basically, you can calculate how what is going to be the maximum depth of ADL tree. Um, OK, so I'm not going to stop more on this ADL tree, uh, but just, just to show uh, that it's the first one that offers this balancing view. And uh, the other alternative is so-called red black trees, which most of you have not heard. Who has uh, read about red black trees in the lecture courses? One only. Uh, so red black trees is, uh, are also the, the binary search trees with all the same properties. The key, the left subtree has smaller keys, the right subtree has larger keys. In here, the, the leaves have been explicitly uh, uh, made as null pointers just for the sake of simplicity um, of the algorithm, but it doesn't matter in, in this case. It, it, they are just null pointers. You, you, you should consider these as leaves. As the name suggests, there are two types of nodes, reds and blacks. But there are some other properties uh, which help us to, to determine sort of like invariance that the tree has to satisfy conditions A, B, and C. And if we manage to satisfy A, B, and C, then the tree is well balanced. And the idea is somehow that, that uh, if you think of the ADL, you, you, you get something out of balance and you, you, you ordering closer to the root, the conditions in here should be such that locally, locally, wherever you are in the very large search tree, locally you can get uh, <coughs> to satisfy certain conditions locally, and this happens in every location, then the overall picture will be balanced tree. So what are these invariants? Uh, this is probably too small an example to uh, 
for you to try to figure out what are these potential uh, potentially variants of the tree. But you may give it a try. We can have two types of nodes, red and black. That's, we, we should do something more on top of those red and black to make the tree balance. When is a tree balanced? Trees are balanced when all the paths have the same length to the leaves, right? Then it's fully balanced. So in this case, what makes us uh, makes the tree balanced is something where we require that on any path to the leaves, they have the equal length. But in this case, we measure the length by the black length. The same number of black nodes on every path. So we can sort of ignore the red ones. But if we ignore the red ones, then we have to make sure that there are not too many reds on any path. And the second property is that no two reds should be next to each other. So the parent of the red node should not be red. Or for red node, neither of the children should be red. That means that when you look at the path, you have the same number of black nodes and up to half red nodes. You don't need any red node on the path. But if there are reds, then there is not more than half of the nodes red. So the invariants are. Uh, Node is either red or black, root is black. Well, now, now come in the different details. Different authors may use slightly different notations, but rough idea, basic idea is the same every, every time. So in this case, the root is always black. But it doesn't matter if the, if the root would, would be red, and still on every path, there should be equal number of black nodes, right? So making just red to black doesn't change the tree at all. Right? We don't invalidate any other properties. So roots is black, all leaves are black, that's why we have these nil, uh, null pointers in here, and both children of every red node are black, or parent of a red node uh, cannot be red. So red node's children must be black, or red node's parent cannot be red. And on every path there is the same number of black so these are the conditions and these are the cases when, when we can violate the situation so we may update the tree and when two red nodes come next to each other we can rotate and then Y becomes there all the black heights remain unchanged likewise symmetrically from there from this left right by rotation you get to the same situation, so basically instead of red, 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 we get to this situation, red, single red, and two blacks.
this rotation does not solve everything. Right? We get locally rid of uh, we get locally rid of two reds next to each other, right? And now there is just single red. But why doesn't it solve everything? Maybe because the parent of C could have been the left uppercase could have been red one. So we don't show the parent of this is a subtree of something, right? And it it must be a subtree from from some node up its parent. Well, we have moved the red closer to the parent, right? And if that parent is red, then we are back to one of the four cases. Uh, so. So in principle, you would uh, need to now verify what happens to its parent and uh, either repeat this thing or uh, find some other solution. Um, okay, so um, just trying to think. Uh, okay, so I, I have a, used different uh, authors in here. Uh, let's have a look uh, from, uh, from this uh, big textbook authors. So you see the same definition. Reds are black, root and leaves are black. Parent must be black. Uh, for red, node parent must be black. And every simple path has the same black line. Um, so these are the Again, the examples when you have two blacks on any path, on this case, um, let me see, a red, black, white. Oh, yeah. I will, we will come back to the balancing thing. But um, there is one thing that we, you have not asked. Can we be certain that when these conditions are met, that our three is balanced? And uh, the argument to show one argument to show this that if we meet these conditions that on any path there is equal number of blacks, no two reds can be next to each other, then how we can sort of analyze this is is by following argumentation that every red its parent must be black. So what if we absorb the red to its parent? Something like this. Then instead of the binary, that you have two children, you put this next to there, then you have one, two, and three subtrees. One, two, and three. In this case, we pull together two reds, and we have one, two, three, four subtrees. And then here again, two nodes, one, two, three. But if we do this kind of red nodes parent must be black, we get to this kind of argument where that every node could have two, three, or four, or three children. So every node, internal node, is now uh, still branching, uh, and now all the black heights were known to be equal, so this kind of tree that has three, two, or four children for every node is uh, fully balanced. 
and with a larger branching factor than two. And then you can uh, compare this height, h prime, to the original height, and of course, this height, this one is more, not more than twice more than h prime, because you can uh, introduce only half of the uh, red nodes in there. Um, therefore, you can prove that the height is not uh, more than logarithmic, it's actually 2 log log of n twice. It must be less than twice log of n. And uh, since the binary search tree properties hold its logarithmic in depth, then every operation will take logarithmic time when you look up for a certain key. But we haven't fully analyzed what happens when we get out of balance, how much does it take to uh, reduce the balancing. Well, basically to reinforce the balancedness. So, insertions and deletions may affect the tree, right? Uh, we have the same slides. We had, um, okay, when we start inserting, then the first thing that we should not get out of balance, which may be tricky to maintain, is this black height. Because that has to be equal on any path. Therefore, when we insert a node, we insert it as a red. Then we don't distort the black height. If two reds come next to each other, then we rebalance, making sure that black heights are not uh, changed. So we insert, and if we get the red-red case, then we have to use the rotations or some other tricks to get out of the out of this problem. One trick was rebalancing, right? Rotations, and that's what ABL tree offers: only rotations. In here, we have red-black trees, and the other type of uh, change that we can do is we can repaint. We don't need to change the, the structure of the tree, but if this, if this is the case, then we can just take these red reds. This was the violation, both of them were red, so we can paint those black and promote red color one level higher. And this reassigning the color the situation was red, 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 that was violation. So you ask whether this red has red neighbor, then you promote. If that was red, that must have been black. If that also had the, the, the sibling that was also red, then you just promote the red up there. And black height is not changed. And now we introduce the next problem. If this would be also red, you just repaint. This one is not red, we do rotation. And what this gives us is, is very powerful. Red-black tree offers two types of uh, operations to keep the balancing. is repainting, which is basically just 
changing the value of three bits here and there. Not moving data around, not crossing pointers or anything. So that is cheap. Or a single rotation, or maybe a couple of rotations, but constant number of rotations. So in the ideal tree, if you get something out of balance, you start rotating, you may end up doing logarithmic number of rotations. And in here, you do color swaps and a single rotation. So that's why it, it in practice uh, may offer uh, better performance. Uh, okay, so these are the some of the examples. We, we, we could just uh, reassign the color, uh, rotate, recolor, and uh, if this is black, new root is black, we know we haven't changed anything up there. Right? The operations can stop at this moment. And then, of course, you have the how to implement everything in, in the code. Take into consideration all the left left violations. What if the red has a red uh, neighbor or not? When to apply the repainting? When to apply the rotations? When and etc. So these different use cases cases will be identified, and then you have to implement the pointer transformations or or the recolorings. So, uh, the case when the violation is neighbor is also red, then you just push this one higher, and you may be introducing new problem, but in here you just repaint. Uh, if that one is black, then you do single rotation, you transform to case 3. Case 3 is, was this one, and then you do one right rotate, rotate and this black remains black, therefore you haven't introduced any problems up there. So basically, you can, you can show that you keep pushing the problem up the tree by repainting, and once you can resolve by a single rotation. Uh, so running time, because you may need to go all the way up to the very top, once you make uh, the tree root red, you just remove it and make it black. And then you have increased the tree, the black height of every path. So logarithmic number of operations, but just constant number of rotations. So that's why red black trees are slightly different from ABL trees. Um, Questions at this stage? So we introduced invariant that the tree has to satisfy, data structure has to satisfy this and this property. And if we can make sure that after every operation that we do, we reinforce that the invariants are satisfied, then we have the global property of the tree being balanced. The 
of course, when you start moving to very large uh, data structures, you can start thinking that by balancing every during the rush hour, why not wait until overnight when it's uh, slower? But now with a 24/7 business, maybe you never will have uh, quiet hours anymore. But still, the balancing could be also something that is independent of the updates. You introduce problems and then you resolve them slowly over the time when you have more uh, CPU time. Uh, if you just need to search, insert, delete very very rapidly, then you may update the tree and then just few rebalancing operations go here and there. Problem is that when you start rebalancing and rotating, then you need to reassign the pointers, right? And that means that you have to locally lock that part of the tree so that you don't get to the wrong direction at any point. The search operations through the same location should not get misdirected. So if you start rebalancing, re-rotating, then you have to lock something, and all the locks are evil, of course, right? Because some, something else can get stuck. Uh, if you lock yourself with two blocking operations, then you are locked forever. You can't resolve it ever. So that's why the concurrent programs will be very tricky. One does one thing, starts waiting for the other. The other does something, waits the opposite, and then they just keep waiting and can't resolve the conflict. Uh, the code for red black trees, of course, you have these symmetric cases, left, left, right, right, all the different cases. You have to very carefully list them all down and implement the, the every case tediously making sure that we don't uh, get anything uh, wrong. You copy paste the code and then something gets broken, right? Because suddenly you forget to change some operation. So the code may be relatively uh, long and it's tedious to uh, maintain. Robert Sechevic offered uh, or, or sort of proposed a variant of red black trees that are always, always leaning to the left, from your point of view, to the left. So whenever we have red, then it tries to lean in one direction only and reduce the number of uh, different symmetric cases. And uh, I'm not going to go through. So basically, arguing, you can see here the difference, by the way, with the coloring. Instead of painting node, nodes red or black, he uh, colors the edges, so two edges next to each other, and then flipping the colors. So uh, different authors can have small variant uh, differences on these implementations. Okay, uh, so to repeat, we have ADL trees that guarantee the, guarantee the, the balance system. Uh, to be not by more than minus, plus minus one. And uh, red black trees that can have one path can be twice longer than the other. Right? But that's, that's still okay. There is another variant of self-balancing trees is so-called splay trees, which also keep 
self-adjusting to the dynamic behavior, how you use the data. And what does it do is that quite often when you have the use of some data, you have it in bursts. You use the same data over and over again. So you touch some value and you touch it again. You tend to touch the same fresh part of the data. You sell tickets for the same concept or whatever. And uh, in this case, it makes sense that once you touch something, then you make it accessible sooner. So basically, you touch certain value, you fetch certain value, and then you bring it very close to the root. Because when you start to look for that value, you stop immediately when you hit the value. Right? If the recent value is close to the root, you hit it sooner. So splay tree implements exactly this. You, you fetch some value, and then you promote it to the root. And any value could be in the root, basically. Because you can restructure both subtrees. And uh, what is in the display trees is, is because any time that you touch the value, you promote it to the root, you don't need to do any of the red flag say the bit here and there, or maybe a bit bookkeeping of the different heights. You just let it evolve by itself, the tree structure. So there is no extra uh, space or time for bookkeeping, uh, but that also means that, although on average that works fine, the worst case is still linear, which we try to avoid. The worst case may introduce something that still goes out of, fully out of balance. Anything about, at this moment, about the binary search trees? The, the test, the five numbers that were in the paper in the beginning, Promise me that you can always insert them in the binary search tree. You have to make this promise. Okay. Uh, binary search trees are especially used in the in memory when you keep data in memory. But the problem is that databases, when you have a very large database, you, you can't keep it in the memory, you put it on the disk, and then doing logarithmic number of operations, maybe 20, 30, disk searches is too expensive. So the next objective is to have the balanced structure, but reduce the number of disk accesses. Or Cache, you, from the large memory you still have the cache property. When you fetch data to cache, you want to keep working with the same cached copy of the data. Because that's faster. And that's why we introduce the fat trees that don't go just to two choices, not to the binary, but to more choices. And the analog to the red black tree in here, we once did already this analysis, showed you the basics of the 2, 3, 4 tree, and this is the same, 
So this is the binary search tree, but all the red, in this case it's a red edge, you, with the two keys, E and J, if you put them together in the same node, you can have the one, two, and three subtrees below this more fat node. And in here, S, Z, and X, if you promote those into the top, you have S, X, and Z, smaller than S, between S and X, between X and Z, and larger than Z. So we already have introduced two, three, and four children nodes. So the B tree just takes it uh, further and in general offers the M-way trees. Where we have keys, anything smaller than 17 will be from this subtree. Between 17 and 28, everything is in this subtree. Between 28 and 56, all the values will be in this subtree. And again, this one branches to more than two. So this one will branch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven subtrees. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven greens. So this one has up to seven subtrees. If you look for value, say 52, 52 is larger than 17, larger than 28, oh, but smaller than 56, therefore we will follow this link, and from here we again look larger than 32, larger than 39, larger than 42, larger than 49, we found it. Right? Or maybe we, we should have gone level deeper. But the nice thing with the B trees is that every path has the same depth. So the B trees by design are fully balanced. So now we need to introduce some uh, extra properties to the B trees that keep them fully balanced. Uh, Oh, this is just another example of the, the representation. This was one representation, and this is another representation where the keys are in here, and they are, organi they are organized, uh, say, 50, let's see, look for 52. 52 is larger than 22, larger than 45, but less than 61. Therefore, link, we follow link from here. L uh, larger than 49, less than 54. Therefore, we follow link in here. And indeed, here it is. The properties. The fat B tree of order M, M children, M could be 200, if you so wish, or 20. Tree of order M will satisfy the, uh, the, these properties. Every node has at most M children, so that is the maximal branching factor. Every node, except the root and leaves, has at least half. So it's at least M half will be split for every node, except the root and leaves, which are spe special cases. So eternal nodes have at least half of the uh, children present. Root has at least two children, uh, if it is not a leaf. So if, if root 
has children, then it has at least two. Uh, note in here, every node has at least m over 2. So m is 100, at least 50 children. But for the root, we know that now make the uh, exception that it may have also only two children. All leaves appear in the same level, and uh, leaves carry the essential information. And when you have k children, k must be larger than m half, um, or more than two. So when you have k children, then you have k. You need to have k minus one keys. You have five split points. You have six different ranges. Okay. Now these are the properties that make sure that the tree is fully balanced on every branch. Every node is at least half full, except the roots and the leaves. Uh, now, what does it mean? When we insert new things, we may split, some, some node may, may become full, then we need to split it into two parts. M nodes can be split into two parts that have half M branches. Or vice versa, when we delete, then some node may become empty, and then once you have two nodes that are less than half empty, you can bring them together and have one full node. So basically we can start splitting the nodes or merging the nodes. That is the essence. So, uh, the same example in here. Let's, let's have a look. Let's insert 29. 29 should end up in here because uh, 20, it's, it's between this 27, 32. It must end up in here, right? And now, we need to do something with this case. Let me see what happens. It touches this node and this children, right? This and this are intact. So what happens is that we sort of need to split this node to two. We don't want to touch these nodes, but we have to make sure that this fits in between in here. So 29, so now we have, by splitting, uh, by splitting this node, we will have three, five, three, four, five children, but introducing one more, we will have one, two, three, four, five, six uh, lists of, of nodes in the uh, list, list of leaves. So we split this in two. And then we have to put some, it somewhere in here. So these are moved to the next position, and we introduce a new split point in here, right? So what happens when we, use, when we need to insert something in here, we introduce the next pair in here. There is not, not more space to fit that split. So we start inserting in here, we split it in two halves, but we can't have another pointer in here. This node has become full. So what, what we do instead is we take this full node and plus one, 
and split it in two halves. Three and three, and then we just make a root that has two children. So root has two or more, and every internal node has at least half uh, children. If m is 50, uh, if m is 100, then at least uh, 50 nodes, 50 children will be for every node. Uh, what do we gain? The least, this big fat node with 100 children, 99 keys, can be stored in consecutive block of memory in the disk that is read in one sweep, or in the memory it will be locally stored, so you, you can deal with this locally in the memory. Because the branching factor is so large, 50 to 100, then you can make your exponentiation. This tree, almost for any realistic data that you will ever need to fit into the database, you will have three, four, five layers of such P tree. So the depth of the tree will be very small. And therefore the number of accesses to the disk is small. But uh, asymptotically, is it faster than binary tree? Um, just the places. Yeah, the, you, could, you could implement this as a binary tree doing still having all the cases, you would just do the same number of operations, but it just is, the layout is slightly different. If you have a hundred splits, if even in this case, if you start going through them one by one, you may introduce some linear factor in there, maybe you could do binary search if you have larger branching factor, but it's still, you need to do the search. So basically you don't gain uh, asymptotic uh, speed. But in practice, of course, this is uh, uh, a standard, one of the standard indexing techniques for the databases. Uh, B3, the guys who invented this were working at Boeing, but they never told why they called it B3. And then there are these rumors, either it's balanced or broad or bushy, or because one of the guys was named Bayer. So is it Bayer, this balanced, broad or bushy, or B, from, as in Boeing? And they never explicitly told why, why they chose B3. You can have slightly different variants. It depends how do you maintain the keys and values. Where do you keep, keep the data? Do you keep data always in the leaves? You just insert keys in the middle nodes, etc. And you can implement on top of the B tree also the order statistic. Give me the kth value in the data. And then you may want to insert after k, k plus first time, squeeze in. You can still do that. So you could even, even think of this B tree or red black tree as a basis for dynamic array uh, implementation in some programming languages. 
Okay. Um, this one repeats the same red, black tree, and two, three, four three, trees, or, or B trees. So basically, you just put several layers of the nodes in a single fat node. So there is an analogy between the red, black uh, trees. In this case, oh, this was black, red, black, red. So basically, the balancedness is what, what happened in there. Any question at this moment? We will come back to the order statistic, actually, in the case of binary search trees uh, soon, when we start augmenting data structures. The standard data structure does not have that property, but when we put some extra information on top of the standard implementation of the binary search tree, then we get extra properties out of that data structure. For example, we can fetch cake value Do you need two minutes break? Stand up and do something. So the next twist to the three data structures we do where we want to insert something that is not a single key. And real life situation is that we have high dimensional spaces or, or GPS coordinate has X and Y coordinate. So the key is composite of multiple uh, attributes. Two-dimensional data has x and y attributes, three-dimensional x, y, z. K-dimensional has k-dimensions or d-dimensions. So when our when our keys are composite of multiple uh, attributes, we can still represent this as a single point. You can ask, does a point belong to a set? somehow make uh, x, y, z into a single key and just see if that key is there. But that would not allow us to solve the question, what is the other closest point? And close now means uh, something that in two dimensions, so you go out and ask where are the closest restaurants, right? Or where do I get the cheapest beer close to me now? So in real life, we have um, multi-dimensional uh, data often, and that's why we need to have also the data structures that allow to deal with multi-dimensional data. The first of these are this k-dimensional tree that is suitable for small k's. Two and three-dimensional data is uh, nice. So k-dimensional uh, tree is a binary search tree with a small twist You have binary search tree that from the root everything to the left is less and everything to the right is larger than but in here we have seven and two, one point. What is the point larger than seven comma two? Seven and two. 
So to the left we have the all the keys that have x that is less than 7 and to the right all the keys that have x larger than 7. But on the next layer we don't care about the x-coordinate but instead of the y-coordinate. So by y-coordinate we split to the smaller or larger values. And in here you can see 5 and x is 5 and 4. So uh, in here we did not compare this 5 and this 4. We, we made a split by this 4, 3 and 7. And it's a binary search 3 where we care about the x, y, x, y, x, y coordinates, depending on which layer of the tree we are. So by the first coordinate, um, We have the uh, cloud of points, and by the first coordinate, we split by x, those that are to the left, or those that are to the right. In the subtree, we care about the y-coordinate, to the left, to the right. In here, our y-coordinate can be different. To the but these are the smaller values, larger values, smaller, larger. So now we have four subtrees. And then each one can again be split in two parts. And then you go horizontal again. So this tree corresponds to the split at vertical split at 7, x equals 7. On the left, the horizontal split at 4, higher and smaller values, and in this subtree, the horizontal split is at 6, the smaller and higher values. There is nothing higher, there is only uh, 8 1 that is smaller in here. So, for certain X, Y coordinate pair, you, you decide whether with X you go to the left or right, then with the Y you decide whether you go left or the right, and if the particular X, Y coordinate is what you are looking for, you can find it in this final research tree. Uh, this is more data points. Uh, if we manage to get the perfect split half-half choice, so that half of the elements are to the left, half to, half to the right. If the data is static, you can always find the median, right? the middle point. And then you can construct, for static set of data, you can construct the tree. And GPS coordinates on the map are static in the beginning, right? You, you can design the map perfectly. Um, and then you, then you split both sides independently, and you make the tree uh, that goes x, y, x, y, coordinate wise. So this is the KD3 for two dimensions. Okay, leaves are in these, uh, within the, these boxes. Now, 
on top of this three data structure, we have to find some ways to satisfy when you have the grid, sort of like you make, you make the bounding box, then you want to list every object in this bounding box uh, on how the, if the bounding box is to all to the right from this root, then you don't need to go to the left subtree. You only go to the right. But because it crosses multiple regions, you may need to go to both subtrees to find everything that overlaps with your rectangle. So if this is a, the rectangle, then we know that from the top, we only need to go to the right. Uh, but then it touches this one to the left, to the smaller and larger values, so you may need to end up uh, visiting multiple subtrees. But that's okay, because you have already eliminated large part of the data that you never need to visit. So, I think it just illustrates uh, how, how do we, how do you, from the root you only go to the right, and then you start deciding which way you go. This split, you may need to go to the left subtree as well as the right subtree to identify whether these boxes are empty or not. If you want to list everything that is within the bound box. If you want to do nearest neighbor search, um, then this is the point. You start going to the, uh, you have some diameter. The first time that you hit some point, you know the diameter. Um, uh, you try to find the smallest, uh, the closest point. So now depending on the, you start splitting from this, uh, looking at this node, you know the diameter to that one. You're rather on this side, you go there, you, have, you make your radius smaller because you have found something that is closer, and then you uh, start moving back and right, uh, reducing the diameter smaller and smaller. This is uh, moving by itself uh, at the moment, the animated tip, so I can't uh, speed it up. Uh, the best estimate is in there, therefore you don't need to go to the right, because the best estimate is already achieved, and there is no way that on the right plane you find something that is smaller. So with the nearest neighbor's uh, circle, somehow you, you know this is a bad estimate, but when you get a point closer, then you have a much better estimate, and then you can make sure that you move to a certain region of the subtree uh, to find the nearest neighbor for this query that in this case wasn't on the, in the database. You are there, and you ask for paths that are close to you, closest path. What is the problem when you moved from two or three dimensions to high dimensional space? Hundred dimensional space. You split your data to two by first coordinate, to two by second, to two by third. When you reach the hundredth coordinate, you have exhausted all the basically all the choices. You can't use the same query x and well after hundred layers you have x again, for example. And and also the question of the distance between the two points or 
the plane and the point uh, in high dimensional space, the space somehow gets very sparse. So that is uh, kind of the problem that KD3 can be used when K is relatively small to the number of data points. So when you really have nearest neighbor search in the very high dimensional space, then that is actually computational hard. Of course, you, you, you may need to go through. Uh, okay, we had one query. Uh, query. It can't be nearest neighbor. You can always compare one point. You can always go through every uh, data point. I'm just trying to figure out why this is said that this is FB hard. You have the data, you have all the points, and you just calculate distance between them, and you select the one that was smallest. So something must be wrong in this statement in here. Um, or I don't see through the problem at the moment. When you have all the pairs and find the smallest distance between any pair, then you have n times n comparisons and you report the smallest. Okay, uh, so from small number of dimensions, uh, we can handle this thing with the KD trees, but one problem is going to higher dimensions, and, uh, and uh, now something that would work in the higher dimensions, maybe, but also in the low dimensions, is something that why did we need to make this x split and y split? What if we would just uh, instead have had random separated plane? And then when you look for something, you know either it's on one side or the other. And then you can do the next random split the way you like, random, right? So this is small generalization from the KDs tree is by saying that every node is a hyperplane. And for any particular point you know is it above or below the hyperplane. So any plane will separate data to two. It does not have to be perfect straight. And then you can keep splitting uh, data or doing searches. If you search for this point, then you know that you should come to this subtree. Well, now these split points represent a tree. Then you know that you should come to this subtree, then to this subtree, and from this one to that subtree, and you get closer and closer to the point. If you want to have the nearest neighbor search or say something, fetch anything that is within the radius, certain radius, then you must calculate the distance for, of the point to any of the planes, and then you know whether your radius is fully on one side, or maybe you need to visit also the other side. But ideally, if, we, if you have the data, again, these hyperplanes, you can sort of select uh, such that you get two equal halves of the tree, then in that case it's balanced. If you can split the data to two equal halves every time, 
then you get the balanced uh, tree. Um, There are many ways how you can select hyperplanes, of course. You can arbitrarily select two points, random, and then make the hyperplane that is between them, orthogonal, for example. You, you select again two points, make something orthogonal between them, etc. But abstractly, you keep dividing the set of points as the space, uh, over the space by having the planes. These are just orthogonal to the axis, x axis, y axis, z axis. But in general case, you can have arbitrary hyperplanes. Um, does Hans-Peter fool me? Raimo Tunnel. Raimo Tunnel. I think so. Yeah. So last year we had this 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 project work, and this was Raimo implemented that you can insert points or generate random number of points, and then select random projection projection tree, KB tree, or some other implementations. This shows the tree layout, how the space is divided, and you can play, go to that website and just play to this uh, real time. This is KD trees um, for the same data. KD trees, how this organizes data. I think the tree at the moment is a little bit um, out of, uh, you don't see everything, but you probably can fetch the tree layout as well. Nearest neighbor search um, in here. So, uh, of course, we it's easy to draw something in two dimensions: KD tree orthogonal and uh, random projection tree that is random uh, hyperplanes. But there are some other trees for multi-dimensional data. And we are, we are going to look at the quad tree next. In here we made the splits uh, somehow by looking at the data and finding some splits or hyperplanes uh, relative to the data. What quad tree would do is you have the map of Estonia in front of you and why not divide it in four regions? Uh, northeast, southeast, uh, southwest, northwest. So divide it in four areas, and then within four every four areas you keep dividing it in four areas. If there are points, then you keep dividing. If the entire area is empty, you just represent that as empty. So you divide the data in four quadrants recursively. So this is like making a grid on top of the map. You know what, how the data, what is the entire full map, 
and you just make the pre uh, pre design agreed for that map. Uh, then of course the search is, is similar. You know whether you should go to the left, well, which which of the quadrants your, your point falls into, and you go to that subtree. So this one has four children. This is the full map. Every the full map has four quadrants, and then you decide which quadrant you go to. Uh, this is uh, the top level view: first, second, third, and fourth quadrant. First is empty. There is no uh, children. The second and third are gray. There are both uh, white and black pixels. And the fourth one is fully black. The gray areas, this one is white, white, gray, black. White, white, gray, black. Uh, and the Black is all the pixels are black. Gray is black, white, white, white. Black, white, white, white. So either you split data x, y coordinates by this grid, or the terminology that I started to use is also gives you some hint that you could represent this black and white pixel image uh, in this kind of way. Why would you, you say that the entire quadrant in here is black? You don't need to say anything else. And recursively you will have, at any layer you look, you have some approximation of the entire pixel-wise image. The deeper you go, the more detailed you get. Um, this quadri in the same uh, website, you just have the quadri, so you see how regular it is. One, two, three, four quadrants, and within each quadrant, you keep dividing into four. So this one has more splits. And then the search over these three is still the same. Left, well, one, two, three, four, you know which quadrant to look at. If you look for nearest neighbors, you may decide to go both uh, subtrees, but you can directly navigate to the correct location. Um, this coordinate system could be, of course, made also. The does not need to be four quadrants. It could be also nine. One, two, three, four, five. And recursively you can zoom in, or whichever way you decide to do this numbering. This happened to be the numbering that I had to write on in the on the paper about the positions of the planes in the Soviet military. So the coordinates were given 975. Where is that plane? 9, 7, and five is this quadrant in there. In that quadrant, there is a plane. Nine, seven, five in there. And that was very easy. Well, in a way, it's easy very quickly. You just say coordinates. Three, five, three, nine, nine, nine. 
is the middle point position of this sweep. Uh, and then you can decide what is the precision to zoom uh, in, how many pitches you need to zoom in. Uh, and I think what happened, I don't remember all the details, but I think what happened was that the radar stations were, they got the new map every now and then, they introduced a new key so that it was a little bit harder to, to break if somebody was over, overhearing these radio communications. Not that it would matter too much. Uh, why, is, why do we just look at the two dimensions? Of course, you can generalize this to the uh, three dimensions, and then instead of four splits, you can have eight splits, and that's why you have oct tree. Uh, but from three dimensions to say, well, to go to ten dimensions is already a little bit complicated because uh, ten dimensional uh, tree would have too many, uh, too many, uh, two to the power of ten, that is one thousand uh, cubicles already at the first layer of the tree. So far, um, so good. Is this understandable now? At this speed? Because we have done quite a journey from binary search trees to generalizing to M trees, and you just need to understand that this kind of split is still a tree into more, more than uh, two children. And the search, you may need to go to one subtree, but maybe multiple subtrees. You may need to visit the neighbors on both. If you're somewhere in here, you may need to visit all the four closest quadrants. Right? Now, this would be very strict grid of the entire space. But we don't know how our, our points are actually distributed, like in here. Our points may be distributed um, somewhat differently. And that's what are the generalizations of these kind of trees uh, for higher dimensional trees. Um, this is called R tree. This is something that is a in between the B tree, like a B tree for higher dimensional spaces. So every node in here is a bounding box and in this B3-like fashion, we just represent the bounding boxes. R1 is this bounding box. So if you look for something that is within this bounding box, you need to come to, to uh, in here. Within R1, you will find the bounding boxes R3, R4, and there is R5, and R5, right? So you find your point is within this bounding box. Within that, you need to you look at the three bounding boxes and you may decide to go to R14 in there, right? If that something is in there, it's within R1, it's within R5, and then you keep moving deeper in this tree, and with the bounding boxes. If something is in here, 
it's within R1, you may find it from this branch, but it's also within R2. Sorry, R2. Where is R2? Oh, also in here, right? And then you need to also go to that direction. Maybe within R2, uh, R2, R6, so you may go to left and right side. But by bounding boxes, by trying to organize data in a way that bounding boxes are a little bit like separate, as separate as possible, does not need to be perfectly separate, then you can organize data, uh, multi-dimensional data, by these bounding boxes. So it's like a B3 analog for k-dimensional data. And in this case, the bounding boxes can be overlapping. In three dimensions, you just generalize that to um, three-dimensional bounding boxes. Uh, and uh, and of course, the, what would be the, uh, the, the example use of these kind of three-dimensional bounding boxes? You go to the job interview to the current, current hottest Estonian startup company. You know that uh, GrabCAD fetched a lot of money. You have a huge design of uh, components with the, in the Boeing, and then you would like to work within a very small area. For example, CAD software, for, for, for example, is one of those. So you may want to fetch everything that is in, within certain uh, region. Um, I, I'm not sure that they do anything like that. Can they only ex uh, exchange models? I think, but they they may uh, need to do something on on this CAD uh, level as well. So R trees, R plus, R star, they're like uh, small variants. Uh, uh, depends again, like uh, how many. Uh, oh, the, the analog to B trees is uh, are your fat nodes half full or not? Do you require this kind of thing or not? Where do you keep the data versus just the keys and bounding boxes? Bounding box can be totally separate from, from your actual data, the keys. You can keep the same bounding boxes and keep evolving the, the way how the keys are distributed. Uh, our star tree. Uh, tries to minimize uh, these overlaps, so the bounding boxes are still there, but somehow try to fit the bounding boxes so that you have very little reason to go left and right. And then you can, well this must be something, uh, this example must be something, it, it looks like a map of Germany, doesn't it? It could be some geographic uh, data. Um, and uh, and these uh, multi-dimensional indices like R trees, KD trees, uh, random projection trees, uh, you can also start using in these multi-dimensional analytics when you when you have databases with multiple dimensions and you want to do some analytics, then all these army box uh, hierarchies and uh, index structures would be useful. Okay, uh, 
I'm not going to go into the priority queue uh, thing, so we will stop it here. Um, any any questions? So there is one important thing I want to make sure that when you are not, when you fully understand the basic things, then you can very quickly build on top of those with more complicated data structures. Like so far, we touched most of these binary search with very simple data, but then you start generalizing into multiple dimensions or or these bounding box thinking, and you can very quickly get something very advanced. So never underestimate the importance of knowing and understanding fully the simple things. Okay. See you on Thursday.